Hey, welcome to a new episode of the Kingdom Project Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Marcus Hall, and we are going to continue in Galatians chapter 5. We'll be looking at the uh, works of the flesh, or deeds of the flesh, depending on your translation. Uh, before we get into that, just uh, ask if you uh, listen and you would like to help support the podcast. You, there is a link in the description to uh, my PayPal and you can send that there. I only ask for uh, finances once a year because I pay to do this. I don't make any money from it, obviously. <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah, I would just, you know, hey, anything's appreciated that helps go towards the yearly cost of keeping this uh, um, on a to have a host is what it is. So there's that. And I thank you in advance. And um um, let's see, we've made our way through the crash course through the Bible, 12 episodes. We just finished that up this week, so I hope that's helped. And I'll uh, be looking for new material to uh, to uh, throw out there during the week uh, instead of doing sermons. Uh, just want, you know, just for on Sundays. Um, I, I do plan on doing an episode just to update you guys on where I'm at uh, theologically and, and all that. Uh, there's some things that have take place. Uh, some of you know, and then uh, friends know, family, some family knows, and uh, nothing, you know, it's uh, not too crazy. Uh, I just want to keep you guys updated, and and I want to make clear, uh, make a couple of things clear uh, as we move forward, uh, and things like that. All right, so uh, Galatians five nineteen through twenty one, we're gonna see this walk in the flesh, walk in the spirit contrast. All right. Um, and they oppose one another. These things uh, are oppose them. So walking by the flesh is trying to do things your own way, in your own humanness, your own limited ability to try to maintain righteousness or gain more favor in for in God's eyes, right? So basically, you know, what to walk in the flesh is is to seek life in terms of what you can accomplish yourself. Walk by the Spirit is walking by faith. Okay? So, walking by the Spirit implies that we are maintaining this relationship, a communion with God, and we are in Christ. We're focusing on Christ. Of course, we're always in Christ, but um, it gets tricky. This flesh thing gets tricky because of the mistranslation that has happened since the 80s, just always saying sinful desire. Flesh is most commonly used as sin or sinful nature. Flesh, though, does refer to, as well, doing things limited to only the physical body or the physical strength that it contains. Okay? Paul seems to be using it in this way in this letter. Okay? So, to live by the flesh is depending upon the resources, abilities of your humanness. All right? So, to live by the Spirit is depending upon the resources and abilities of the Spirit, whom God has given by grace through faith. Okay? So, the fundamental issue is dependence, and the, the, the critical difference in that dependence is the object of your dependence. Either yourself or the Lord. So we're going to look at Paul's list of manifestations of the flesh here. All right. This is what the flesh produces. Uh, this is, this is what you get when you walk in the flesh. All right. So keep in mind 
that Paul said in verse 16, that walk by the walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if you don't want to see these manifest or produce in your life, then you need, you know, need to focus on the word and focus to be in communion with, with the Lord. So you can learn to walk by the spirit. This is also a great text to say that if people are wrapped up in any one of these sins that, you know, you don't have to be pointing the finger to blame the devil or a demon on this stuff, which a lot of people want to do. All right. So the problem is most of the time ourselves. All right. Verse 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right. It's not even an exhaustive list, but there it is. And uh, he says right off, right from the start, the works of the flesh are evident. So he's, he says they are defined as our humanity, life without the power of the spirit of God. All right. <laughs> there it is. All right. So look at hum- humanity apart from God. If God isn't a part of the picture, do people become more righteous by the things that they do by doing good things? Do they become more moral? No. Paul's saying, no, the answer is obvious. Take a look around. Now, I'm not going to go through each one of these individually. I've done that. Uh, I've done that before uh, when these have been listed. So I didn't feel the need to do that this time. All right, but if you wanted to categorize these sins, the three, the first three would be sexual. The next, uh, the next category could be called religious, and then the last mentioned the, are sins that are ex, um, express they express themselves in how we treat others. So obviously, these are all things that God cares about. He cares about our sexual and our moral purity. He cares about the purity of our religion and our worship, and he cares about how we treat one another. All right. So Paul also says, and, and things like these, right? So he understands it's not an exhaustive list either. All right. These are not the only works of the flesh. It's a partial list, but notice carefully what Paul says at the end of verse 21, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the word practice is, is a verb and it's a a verb for habitual practice not for the occasional doing okay now although i i'd say if you find yourself entertaining any of these occasionally then you could end up opening the door to habitual practices all right but this is habitual practice now paul could have said if you practice such things you will not inherit the kingdom of god so why didn't he right he didn't say that He says that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right. So uh, it's, I don't really see it as a warning or as a threat. I see it as Paul saying, this is how unbelievers act. All right. This is how the world acts. Therefore do not act like them. All right. Now, if you move up to uh, verse two, uh, two in, (laughs) I said two funny two. Uh, If you, if you move up to verse two in Galatians five, it says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. That's a warning, right? 
He's saying, if you do this, then this will happen. 5.15, it says, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So he gives two, he, he gives warnings in 2 and 15 by saying, if. But here in 21, he states, those in reference to sins and the sinners who practice these sins. That is, unbelievers who are not part of the kingdom. All right? So Romans 8, 13, it says, For if you if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But, but if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Later on in Romans eleven twenty two, Behold, then the kindness and sever, uh, severity of God. To those who fell, uh, severity. But to you, God's kindness, if you continue in his, uh, his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. 13.4 of Romans, but if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. So these are all warnings of consequences that will happen to those who Paul is writing to. In this text in Galatians, there's no warning. Paul's telling the Galatians to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And then he gives that the list here uh, of the flesh, and then he'll give the list of the, uh, of the Spirit as well, so we can know without a doubt if we are acting in flesh and dependent on ourselves or walking by the Spirit and dependent on God. So what is Paul actually saying, right? Well, I think he's simply showing them and us what the flesh produces and stating that the end result of living that way results in not inheriting the kingdom of God. All right. So when Paul says that those who practice such things, he is referring to those apart from Christ. So he's distinguishing the believers of the church with those who practice these things as a way of life. And the point here then is uh, left to itself. That's where humanity goes. That, that's where we go by nature when we take God out of the picture. Man is totally depraved. All right? That's what happens. So take a look around. So he's saying if you look at the track record of humanity apart from the Spirit of God, you'll see a track record, record of failure in the arena that would be labeled righteousness. Then why would you take that same flesh and use that as a means to make yourself righteous? It will never work. The flesh has a long track record of failure, right? But that isn't, that, that isn't going to work because by and large, the flesh does not move toward God. It drifts away from God. All right, so there's only one way to overcome that. And the only way to live a life different from the works of the flesh that Paul has described here, and that is walking by the Spirit, which means we spend time in the Word of God so that we may know God's will, right? And when we look to the Spirit in dependence to do, or uh, independence to do in us what we cannot do for ourselves. And that's the contrast he's making in context that's laid out uh, starting in verse 16 when Paul states, Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So he lays, lays out these ways in contrast to the fruit of the Spirit that's coming up. All right. So also, we should be clear here that these lists are not 
mutually exclusive either, okay? And that, that comes as a surprise, but they're not because a, a believer can, all right, listen, <laughs> a believer can exhibit behavior behaviors more typical of the flesh, like anger and jealousy, while an unbeliever can exhibit a behavior typical of a believer, like patience and kindness, all right? That's why in verse 21, Paul uses the word practice in describing these traits. So when taken together, the flesh produces a lifestyle of those behaviors. And since the unbeliever only has the flesh, then these behaviors are normative. And therefore, they should not be for the believer. All right. So over time, a spirit led life should and will produce in us a degree of experiential righteousness, okay? We already have a positional righteousness based on our faith, but we've also been given the means for pursuit for excuse me, for pursuing it as well by following the lead of the spirit. And following the spirit produces evidence that is fruitful of the spirit's work in our lives. All right? That evidence can cannot be measured in discrete terms like many claim, all right? It's not measured on balance and over time. Or, no, it is. I'm sorry. It is measured on balance and over time, all right? Just as the unrighteous practice, uh, unrighteousness, the believers will come to demonstrate more and more evidence of righteousness, okay? But... Uh, People are always say, look at the fruit, look at the fruit. All right. Sometimes it, 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 it's just not immediate. Okay. The, the human experience is, is, exists as this dichotomy. So either we are led by the spirit or we are led by the flesh and believers are led by the spirit. Unbelievers led by the flesh. Believers are not under law. All right. And that is it has no jurisdiction over us. While unbelievers stand condemned by law. So therefore, Christians have positional righteousness because of our faith in Christ. We are righteous by faith in that we have been promised to receive the righteousness of Christ. We receive the Spirit as a down payment on that promise of righteousness. Alright, so... Um, Backing up just for a moment, that when I said the evidence cannot be measured in discrete terms like many claim, it is measured on balance and over time. All right, that is to say that it takes time. All right, people people want to say it's numbers or manifestations of the spirits and things like that. That is that is uh, fruit, uh, and we'll talk more about that when we get into the fruit of the spirit. But uh, just because one person is really really patient, it's not necessarily mean that's they're bearing fruit. That's what I'm trying to say. There has to be a balance and it has to be done over time because it's the more time a person has to grow and learn and become mature. This is sanctification. Okay. All right. So as Paul said, the true Christian is one who hopes for righteousness based on God's promise. Okay. So Paul is uh, reiterates the truth of our current position before the Lord. Like we are led. Okay. Or you could say carried by the spirit all right though our english bible may say if you are led but the greek word carries a meaning of since you are led okay so every christian is led by the spirit that's good news 
There's some people that struggle with this. Every Christian is led by the Spirit because it says, since you are led, okay, that leading comes in place of law. The law no longer guides anyone, all right, our life, because we have the very author of that law living in us. So our faith has already granted us that positional righteousness. And now the Spirit lives in us to lead us into experiential righteousness, which when I say experiential righteousness, is the day-to-day task uh, of daily life, okay? So this is Paul making application from all the doctrine that he's provided up to this point, all right? So we learn doctrine and apply it to better understand Christ and ourselves. And here, uh, this is Paul continuing to drive that wedge between the Judaizers and the Galatians, all right? So I want to move on shortly to the next part to see the contrast uh, all at once as a whole. And uh, and then and, and then we'll tease it out more next week in greater detail, okay? Um, so there, there, there's not much more here. And uh, the reason, because uh, flesh and then spirit and stuff. So uh, we're just going to go ahead and just move into this uh, 22 through 26. Uh, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, uh, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law right now i will go over these um, individually uh, next week Uh, verse 24 and those who belong to christ jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live by the spirit let us also keep in step with the spirit let us not become conceited provoking one another envying one another okay so when we follow the spirits okay We'll find that more and more that our thoughts and our behaviors will align with God's desires. And that evidence of that change will be uh, will, will be evident. It will be patience when before we had outbursts of anger, right? So if this faithful reliance on God, right, is there where before we engaged in you know, idolatry or sorcery, all right? Strife and disputes, th- those go. They're, in their place come peace and joy. Immoral, uh, Im- immorality and impurity and drunkenness are replaced by self-control. Hatred and selfishness are replaced by sacrificial love, right? But if we resist the leading of the Spirit, then we could largely remain where we started, right? That is, if you let flesh dominate you all right then the behaviors we exhibit will continue to mirror those of the world and that's why paul says in verse 25 that since we live by the spirit let us walk in that same manner so paul's second point emphasizes that this transformation is reserved for the christian because it depends on the spirit In verse 21, Paul reminds the church how he taught earlier that the unbelievers will not have this power to make this transition. It can't happen. It cannot happen for those who lack the Spirit. So we can tell this list was a a veiled reference to the Judaizers, okay? Because you notice Paul includes behaviors like disputes and dissensions and factions. These are the sins of the Judaizers in splitting uh, the church. Right? These men were unbelievers, so their lives testified to the absence of the Spirit. And Paul wanted the church to understand who 
they truly were. But it's equally important um, uh, for a Christian to remember that living under the law of Moses is also powerless to produce the fruit of righteousness. If you notice at the end of verse 23, Paul says that the fruit of the Spirit are not against the law. All right, so the Greek means according to. So we should translate the phrase, there is no law according to such things. That is, there are no laws that produce these positive outcomes. The law merely prohibited certain behaviors and mandated others. All right, love, patience, and joy never entered into equation there. The real value is found in, in, in stepping back and considering Paul's argument overall then. That Paul's concern is whether we are taking advantage of our freedom to experience righteousness. Will we follow the Spirit, enjoy that taste of righteousness now because it is a taste of the eternal life? It's a taste of heaven that only the believer can experience on earth? Or will we want to satisfy other desires? That's why Paul ends verse 26 saying, let's not become conceited and provoke, which is boastful and competing with one another. And he's referring to competition of the flesh that results from attempts to follow the law. We call it legalism. So there it is again. So when we try to pursue self-righteousness, we automatically begin to compare our performance with one another. That's very important. Okay. Okay. Please understand that. I always say that the gospel makes us equal, like Jesus makes us equal. We do not need to compete. We do not need to feel burdened or that we lack anything in Christ. Just because that guy over there does these things, it's, you know, don't compare yourself. Stop it. Just stop. I just want to, I just want to smack your hand. Stop it. Okay. (laughs) When we try to pursue self-righteousness, we automatically begin to compare our performance with others, all right? So always looking for a standard to meet or a standard that we can beat. That's that's the issue. That's what happens. My chair is squeaky. Sorry if you hear that. Uh, it, it's it's uh, All this stuff is, is it's selfish, okay? It's fleshly. It's counter to true sanctification. That's what these false teachers were encouraging in the tradition of the Pharisees to those in Galatia. All right. So to sum it up and we'll, we'll get more into the fruit next week, but Paul has insisted that Christians put aside the law and thoughts of self-righteousness and pursue living by the spirit, seeking to experience a measure of righteousness in our lives now. All right. That, that's, that's the issue there. And then we'll see the full picture uh, next week when we uh, tease out the rest of these, uh, these texts when we look at the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs>